Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Ask me, ask Eliza anything. It's time to ask. Ask me all your questions. Leave them in the Instagram comment section. Leave them on your Twitter or leave Well, this is a very sobering, serious episode of Ask Eliza Anything. Look, we aim to entertain, we aim to please. I am bringing you this very special episode of our podcast from the confining, quarantining of my own self-discovery. Anywho, uh, I wanted to do a fun episode where we ask, answer a bunch of your questions, but then we thought, wouldn't it be best to answer some of your pressing questions about the current situation given the spreading of COVID-19? So with me, joining me today is uh, a man I've been friends with my whole life, but he wasn't a man when I met him because that'd be weird because I was just a kid. <laughs> Uh, with me today is Dr. Daniel Dworkis, and not only are we friends, but Daniel is a doctor, folks, and you have asked questions, and he's going to answer them. He did his emergency medical training at Harvard Medicine. Tell your mother. He's a professor. He's a professor of emergency medicine at USC, and he's one of the attending physicians at LA County Hospital. More importantly, he and I were confirmed together at Temple Emanuel in Dallas, Texas. So, ladies and gentlemen, my friend Daniel, Dr. Daniel Dworkis. Hey, folks, happy to meet you guys, although obviously I wish it were under better circumstances. And I think, Eliza, I should probably start adding confirmed with Eliza Schlesinger at Temple Emanuel as like one of my uh, my normal yeah. credits. Yeah, yeah, let him know. Uh, let's get into the questions, the burning questions people want to know. Uh, first of all, a lot of you ask questions about the weirdest thing Dr. Dan Daniel has seen up someone's butt. We're going to get to that <laughs> because I know a lot of people are like listening on their lunch breaks. A lot of people that are my fans are healthcare workers. You only have a couple minutes. So let's get to the important stuff and then we'll get to the butt stuff. How's that sound, doctor? Sounds excellent. All right, here we go. Uh, Rachel Kathleen, general question. As an ER doctor, what should patients stop coming to the ER for? What sort of things are better suited for urgent care, et cetera, and what should justify an ER visit? Yeah, this is a great one to start with. And and, and I think that um, this is a very different answer to give this answer now than to give this answer generally. Generally, using the emergency department for things that seem like emergencies, significant pain, big illnesses, times when you can't get in to see your normal doctor, that's like a very legitimate thing to do. In our current environment, though, like 
one of the things we all have to do is make sure that we put as little burden on the healthcare system as possible so that we maintain as much of our resources as possible to help the truly, truly sick people. So, and we can sort of take this in a bunch of different directions because I know there's a lot of questions about should I get tested and when should I go to the doctor and things like that. But for right now, what I'll say is if you are feeling sick and you are alive and feeling sick and you can breathe well, call your normal doctor. Um, If you don't have a normal doctor, there's some services out there that you can call and sort of ask. But basically, if you feel okay and you're just feeling a little ill, right now is not the time to come to the emergency department. Um, On the Um, other hand, oh yeah, yeah, go ahead. Please. Well, I mean, I'll sort of double down on that by saying, you know, um, I can't confirm that I have this, but for the last several days, I have felt really horrible. Um, But the thing that kept me away from going to the doctor emergency room is, you know, I could still breathe. I didn't feel like anything bad was going to happen. I felt really sick and really bad, but... I also just knowing out there that there are people who need access to machines and doctors in the next, you know, 24 hours or several hours. Uh, I didn't even bother. So the truth is, if you feel like shit, but feel like you're not going to die, it's going to be okay. Give it a beat. (laughs) Yeah, totally, totally true. Do not come to the ER right now if you are doing okay and just a little bit sick. Now, obviously, that's a little different if you have cancer or HIV or really bad lung disease or something like that. But in general, if you can talk to a doctor and don't have to come to the ER, do not come to the ER. We need those space. We need those resources. Yeah, don't be a dick. Don't go breaking your arm. Just sit there with a broken bone and (laughs) and it can be your war story. All right. Totally. Please try not to break your arm in general. Yeah, completely agree. Yeah. Uh, Laura.t.marcero says, if one of the spouses gets coronavirus, should the other just go through it too and get, get it over with like we used to do with kids and chicken pox? Both of us are healthy in our 40s, no kids or elderly vulnerable family members. Is it possible that the other spouse won't get it? Yeah, so it's totally possible. Not everybody that comes in contact with somebody that has corona, even like, you know, tested positive corona, will also get corona. Um, But it sort of depends on what your situation is. So if you're a again, like a sick uh, or a person that has a bunch of medical diseases, you should probably stay away from somebody that has symptoms, even if it's your spouse, your kids, whatever. Try to stay away and try to protect yourself. If you're a relatively healthy person, then you know a little bit of quarantining and some social isolation is, is probably still the right move. If that's not possible, you know, you do what you can. You do what you can with what you have where you are, which is why I'm making cooking videos. Yeah, and which is why awesome. all these... <laughs> Thank you. And why all these 18-year-old, you know, uh, Latvian kids are doing TikTok videos. It's the best we can do. And, you know, touching on the idea of staying home, self-quarantining doesn't mean getting bed sores and loafing around. Yeah, that is, that like could not be more true. And and there's a thing I I am going to blatantly steal from a New York Times article, um, which said, stay at home, but don't stay on the couch, right? The idea is that, yeah, we're, we're stuck at home right now, but Whenever we get through this, and we, we absolutely, we will get through this. And whenever we get through this, like the world that we emerge back into, like some sort of a mole, right, it, or a groundhog perhaps, is going to need us to be better versions of ourselves than we are right now. Like we need to I be smarter that. and stronger and better. And this is our chance to do that. And so whether it is, you know, doing cooking videos and learning how to cook like you guys are doing or TikTok videos, like as you quoted them, like the Latvian teenagers, um, or whatever it is, like, go out there, learn something, learn a language, learn how to cook, like, learn how to talk to your neighbors, get out there and just be a fucking better version yeah. of yourself than you are right now. Like, that's you know, what we need for this. 
It's something we all hope, we all wish that we had, oh, I wish I had a week off. I wish I had the time. And now you do. And I understand that people are at home and maybe you've got your kids and you have even more stresses, but a lot of us have the luxury of just being at home. And I understand a body in motion stays in motion, a body at rest stays mm -hmm. at rest. So the lazier you, you become, the harder it is to be motivated. I personally work better under pressure. If you tell me you have a year to write a book, I, it'll be hard for me to write it. If you say this is due next week, I could write that book. So it's tough. People like me work better with confinements of time, but this is your chance to learn Spanish. This is your chance to lose that little bit of weight, start a workout routine, clean out your drawers. Like this is your chance to do a lot of, to go inward and do a lot of prep because the world's going to come at you so fast when we all get back out there. Yeah. Couldn't agree with that more. It's no secret that fast fashion and the demand for fashion in general is helping to wreck our planet while introducing Newly. Newly is a subscription clothing rental service. For just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles each month, access to thousands of styles from more than 400 brands with inclusive sizing, and they have fast free shipping and returns and professional cleaning in Newly's state-of-the-art laundering facility, plus the option to buy what you love. I gifted Newly to a friend whose daughter works in an office where you have to be presentable, and it's trendy. She gets to try out stuff. She always looks fresh at work. She always looks cute. And when she's done with it, which we usually are after wearing something for a while, she can send it right back. Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six styles. But right now, you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code ELIZA20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's Newly with two U's. And enter the code ELIZA20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com. Newly with two U's with code ELIZA20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Here's a fun exercise. What would you do if you had an extra hour in your day? I bet you nobody would say, um, I'd spend it thinking about things I can't change. I'd spend it having crippling anxiety. No, you'd say like, I'd go for a run or I'd spend time with my hobby or I'd pet my dog's tongue. A lot of us spend our times wishing we had more time. And the question is, what do you want to make more time for? I bet the answer for a lot of people is your friends, your family, relaxing. Well, therapy can help you clear some space mentally so you can find out what matters to you so you can do more of it. Think about therapy like housekeeping for your brain. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You go to betterhelp.com. And you fill out a brief questionnaire and you can get matched with a licensed therapist. No more driving across town. No more stressing out. BetterHelp makes it easy for you to get the therapy that you would like. Learn how to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Eliza today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Eliza. There was definitely a time where my closet was crammed to the gills with every skort, gaucho pant, crop top I'd worn for the last 20 years. And there comes a time in every adult woman's life where you realize you want less clothing at higher quality. And a great way to do that without breaking the bank is upgrading to high quality affordable pieces from Quince. Now I have a wardrobe of simplistic pared down items, but I like to keep it stocked with key luxury essentials that I know I'll wear time and time again, like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50. I'm a big fan of their washable stretch silk palazzo pants. I don't have time to be caring for silk like I do my children, so it's nice that I can just wash it, and it's a versatile pair of pants that I can wear out for an evening or just out with friends. The best part is all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash Eliza for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Eliza to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash Eliza. So, Audrey dot Halstead says, Hello, Dr. Dan and Eliza. It's Dr. Eliza. Would you advise against going outside during the morning slash day to go on a short run or walk to get some exercise if the person is self-isolating otherwise? What? No. No, no, no. Get out there. Get out there and get exercise. Walk around outside. Get sunshine. You know, uh, and I guess I'll say two things sort of. Everything I'm saying assumes that you are a generally healthy person. If you're not, you need to yeah. talk to your doctor about some details about that. And the other the other sort of caveat I'll give is that our knowledge about this disease and its processes are, is changing rapidly. So you sort of have to keep your finger on the pulse to keep up with everything. And it's possible that what I say while correct today might be totally outdated tomorrow. So with, with those two caveats sort of right. behind us, like, yes, get outside, get exercise, get in the sun, like be a be a part of the world. Do not like fall into a hole. Don't fall into a hole. And also, just so you guys know, um, because of the fluidity of this ever-changing thing, calling people out for stuff. Dr. Daniel and I are doing this remotely. We are not in the same room. But what was okay yesterday might not be okay today. So let's spend less time freaking out at other people, except for the people that are hoarding masks like assholes, and more time just trying to make ourselves feel, uh, make ourselves better. And that's just a little social commentary. Yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, you could definitely, uh, you could definitely go out and go running. This isn't a quiet place. Like you can be outside. (laughs) This isn't outbreak. Like (laughs) you can, you can still live most of your life. It's not in the air, uh, all around. Lindsay. Oh God. Oh, so I was just going to say, and that's not to say that that's always easy, right? Like this is a very scary sort of anxiety provoking time for a lot of folks. And and there's a tendency, and I'm not just saying that outward, like, like I feel this, my colleagues feel this, all the ER doctors feel this. We talk about this with each other, that we all are feeling a lot of anxiety and sometimes bordering on fear or anger or a bunch of other stuff. And so it can be really challenging to get up and get outside and do that. It's not an easy thing to ask, but like do it, go out there, make it happen somehow. And definitely, definitely it is an okay and, and really even a good thing to do. I'm also going to say something that it sounds like a total ditzy thing, but the workout app that I use, they have like little little in-house quotes that they that pop up when you open the app. And one thing said, you're one workout away from a better mood. And it's true. Even mm, if I like that. you're tired after, even if you don't do that much, a simple walk, some vitamin D, moving your muscles, you will always feel better at the end of it. So just move your body. Move your body. Lindsay underscore Ann 88. Hey, Eliza and all. I'm a healthcare provider working with children and a faculty member at one of my local hospitals. I'm feeling super exhausted and emotionally drained. Dr. Daniel, in the midst of this crisis, how are you handling your own self-care? Yeah, that is that is such a good question. And the the more we try to take on during this challenging time, whether that is caring for patients or caring for family members or handling what's going on with our, our business or whatever it is, we're all going to be under strain. And, and I think the first step is just acknowledging that and saying like, look, this is hard. I'm carrying a lot and sometimes it hurts and that's okay. Um, and to reach out to, to people and your friends and your teammates about that and to say, hey, I need some help. I need a little bit of help figuring this out. To recognize that we're all going through that is really important. For me personally, I, I have tried to restart my meditation practice, tried to restart my yoga practice, and I am 
working out as much as I possibly can between shifts because that's what that's what gets me back in the headspace. But you know, yesterday I was talking to um, uh, a, a lieutenant commander in the U.S. Navy who runs the Naval Trauma Training Center at L.A. County, which is where um, Navy folks go right before they they sort of go there to spin up before they're deployed. And I was asking her the same question, which is, how do you keep yourself sane during all of this? And she said, you know, we really need to come back to the idea that we are all here serving a bigger purpose. Um, And the idea behind that is that it's not just about us suffering in silence independently. It's the idea that we're doing this for part of a better good. We're doing this to make society uh, as healthy as we can. And and holding on to that idea that you're not just suffering for no reason, like you're getting through this to make the community better. To me, that brings a lot. I love that. That's a really a sort of a, a good prevailing theme. Like, and you feel like the human spirit will prevail. And, and that's mm-hmm. a great way to realize that you really are part of a whole and you're not alone. Um, I, there's this meme that's going around and, it, you know, the sentiment I think is beautiful and it's basically like, I mean, but before you agree with me, just know that I'm going to shit on it. Uh, it starts <laughs> out by saying, you know, you don't have to write the next great novel. You don't have to be productive. You can simply be and look inward. What if we all just took a minute to self-evaluate? What if we all just stopped? And I'm thinking, what if we all didn't have mortgages? You got, nice try. I know you're going to be out there writing a novel while you're telling me to take a nap. So I'm going to be over here prepping for doomsday because when this thing fucking lifts, I'm going to have six scripts and a show ready to go while you guys Mm. were all taking naps. And just know that there's 8 billion people just like me who are going to pass you by. So make this productive and get the most you can out of it, whatever that means to you. It's go time. It's always go time in my head. And right on, right on. Like, stay at home. Don't stay on your couch. Like, get like get after it in whatever way you can. Absolutely. Um, but yes, you're not alone. Nobody's alone in this. And I actually enjoy how much, I mean, it's part of my top of the cup later, but how much this is bringing people together. And it, you are seeing the humanity come out of people uh, in the worst of times. And unfortunately, it brings out the best in us. Um, and it sucks that it takes something like this to see how human people can be. Okay, moving on. Nick Nick P. Dawson at Nick P. Dawson we're a group of healthcare design I'm sorry healthcare designers okay we're a group of healthcare designers <laughs> clinicians and strategists working on the human challenges one thing we're tracking is physician well-being e.g. dirty houses where doctors are cohabitating and isolating from their families we're also tracking down We're also tracking how doctors are coping with end-of-life care when families can't be present. What human needs are you seeing that need attention and focus? Things like PPE and vents uh, are engineering puzzles. They need urgent attention but not novel, untested solutions. We're not inattentive, but we aren't trying to work cross-purposes. I don't know that. I don't understand that question, but I bet there are people who do, and Daniel, I'm sure you do. Yeah, uh, maybe. Uh, that's a that's a long question. I, I think what that's trying to ask is what are some deep problems that need to be worked on and solved? Uh, in healthcare? And, Wait, this is not that podcast. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe in the current crisis? I'm, I'm not sure. I, you know, I, I like the spirit of that question because it gets back to, Eliza, what you and I have been talking about, which is the idea of like, okay, what can we be doing that matters right now? Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I, you know, I, I was talking to um, 
uh, one of the super awesome nurses in the ER last night, and she was talking about her kid who uh, has some special needs and is really struggling to find access to the right types of therapy now that his school is closed. Um, so it would strike me that like there's a problem out there, which is like how do we get the right teaching and education resources to our kids uh, with the schools shut down um, so that we you know continue to build like smart, wonderful children. Um, and maybe like a bigger version of that is like, how do we do a better job of matching supply and demand of stuff? But man, I don't know. Um, that's a big question. Okay. It is a big question, but you know, you answered it the best you could. Yeah. This is tough. It's tough when things are so scattered, you know, this isn't like Mm -hmm. a flood and it's like, okay, we need food and we need shelter. You know, this is so many people are without their normal resources now. So everything from kids who need special attention at school to homeless people who need meals to kids that need meals to people who need access to things like it's, this is really just throwing everyone for a curve. So I guess also don't be afraid to ask for help and don't be afraid to reach out uh, in general. Yeah. And I think there's like, there's like a really good version of this, right? Which is the fact that and Eliza, I'm sure you're getting this too from people that you know, but like people want to help. They want to do things that matter. They want to contribute to the community and to society. And a lot of us just don't like really know how to do that, especially right now, given how complicated everything is. I just think also more importantly, some people don't know what to ask for. You know, it's mm-hmm. like when you are preparing a huge meal and people keep chiming in, like, what can I do to help? And you're like, I'm so overwhelmed. I don't even know what to ask for because I'm just, I'm trying to do everything. So there's that version of it. Yeah. Christina, Christiana? Christina.hobbs. Do you think the stress of the entire situation, including not just the possibility of getting sick, but also job loss, financial strain, and overabundance of information, will make the population as a whole more physically vulnerable to disease? Stress affects physical health. So at what point are we potentially adding to the problem while trying to solve it? Hmm. Uh, No. I think my answer to that is no. I think that when we emerge from this, we will emerge like stronger and hardened and and better. I was about to say more better. So I'm just going to say it more better than than when we got into this. Do you really? Because I think humans are very stupid and I think we have an incredibly short memory for things that were inconvenience and pain. And if this went away tomorrow, we'd be like, okay, we might be a little bit more prepared, but I think people are very quick to go right back to their old habits. Call me, uh, call me honest. (laughs) No, I think that's a possibility. I I hope that is not what's going to happen. And I think this is an opportunity, like we say sort of a lot in the emergency department, which is that you don't want to waste suffering, right? Like if suffering has to happen, then you damn well better learn from it to make sure that you're better for it tomorrow. And so that, that I think more than anything is my challenge to anybody listening to this is do not waste this suffering. Like don't go back to your same habits tomorrow. Um, because you're right, you can. It's easy to, right? It's easy if everything just switched back on to normal tomorrow to be like, oh, this never happened. Like, look, I'm going to spend 10 hours on Instagram. Like, but don't waste right. it. Don't waste that suffering. Um, oh. And I don't think that stress is necessarily an evil thing, right? There's this awesome um, uh, PhD professor at Stanford, Kelly McGonigal, uh, who did this great TED Talk about the upside of stress and wrote a, wrote a book called The Upside of Stress, which I I think is awesome. And it talks a lot about breaking down that myth that stress is always bad for you. Like stress is always bad for you. I was saying it earlier. I love it. I was, stress is what, some people react to it poorly, some don't, but stress, you know, friction makes uh, a pearl. Pressure makes Mm -hmm. a diamond. You know, that's, that's how I live my life personally. That's just Yeah, 
Absolutely. And, and that's that like, that goes back to like a quote by the Stoic philosopher Seneca, which is like, um, you cannot create a gem without friction, right? Or no, what is it? Friction polishes a pressure. A, that's what oh, I shoot. just said. Yeah. That's what I Wait just said. Friction makes a pearl. And totally. pressure makes a diamond. Who's the Harvard grad now? Yeah, man, not me. That's for sure. I think you win. You okay. win this round, philosopher. Eliza. I won. Oh, thank God. That's and that's the re, and my life's work is complete. Uh, <laughs> oh, Christy, no. Thank you so much for spending what me, it must be an incredibly scare, scarce free time to do this. Yes. On the lighter side, what's the happiest story you've seen in the ER recently? Oh yeah, what a cool question. Like, cause there is a lot of of happiness and sort of stepping up to the plate to try to get things done. Um I I saw uh recently two um uh women who are a little bit on the older side who were working in the hospital as F, as cafeteria workers. Uh, and they went to give themselves to give each other a hug and sort of recognize, wait a minute, we need to practice social distancing. And one of them pulled this incredible like matrix style dodge move where she dodged the hug from the other one. And then they sort of laughed about it and gave each other an air hug. And it was so <laughs> just so cool Aww. to see these two people be like, yeah, it's cool. We're going to get through this and we still love each other. And and uh, also like watch how uh, much of a ninja I am. So that was pretty awesome. Uh- I think they, the answer she was looking for was like, I saw a dude give birth through his butt, but okay, way to take it to a, a sunny place that wasn't as gory. Live yeah, free. I definitely, definitely didn't see that, just to clarify. I mean, live free 17. Hi, Dr. Dan, Eliza, and crew. What are some of the things we can do at home to help avoid panicking or feeling anxious about getting sick? I've been stuck at home for five days. I'm a teacher, so work is canceled. Uh, I have asthma, allergies, PTSD, chronic pneumonia, and it basically destroyed my lungs and immune system, so I ain't risking it. And I'm starting to feel low-grade panic set in, even though I know I'm being extra careful. I've already limited my social media time, but sometimes not knowing what's going on makes it worse. Any tips for how to stay chill? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think this is what we've been talking about, which is the, the way to stay calm and the way to stay healthy is to move forward and do something productive. So, so you're a teacher, right? And you can't teach your students directly, like go on to YouTube and make videos about the lessons that you were going to teach and give them free to people, like give them out to parents who are trying to homeschool their kids, like whatever skill it is. You, like Eliza, this is why I love so much that you and Noah are doing this cooking show because like, like that is really like the the best example I can see of this kind of an answer, which is whatever it is, whatever skill you have, like go out there and fucking do it to the best that you can, like no matter what circumstance you're in, which case this is maybe in your home. And, you know, what we do know about um, things like PTSD in, in particular is that the more mission driven you are, the more yeah. you're able to consider your, your life purpose like that, like the better yep. you are and the better your immune system functions, the better your body functions. You know, I I think of it like the way an artist thinks about it. Like we did this cooking show and I thought it would be super fun. I didn't think, honestly, you know, I do a lot of stuff and you always hope more people pay attention than they do. But people started paying attention to this. We were filling a void. People wanted uh, an outlet uh, for relaxing. But as a creator, like I was going to be creating stuff anyway. This is a drop in the bucket compared to the amount of web series and shows and things and books and, not books, but 
uh, entries and things that I've written or created or documents on my desk that I've just created stuff and then I just throw it away. Artists are going to be making art regardless because that's what feeds mm -hmm. our souls. Creators are going to be creating things. So I'm doing it for you, but very selfishly, we are doing these things for us because we need to create. And if you're a teacher and you want to get this information out and change lives, do it. And don't be worried about who's receiving it because at the end of the day, you are doing it. We are doing these things to feed our souls and the byproduct is that it helps others. But I wouldn't be doing stand-up if nobody was laughing because then I wouldn't feel the need to make people laugh because no one ever laughed, if that makes any sense. So you're helping yourself by helping others, but you're really helping yourself. And that's the yeah. truth. Yeah, and this world that we're going to come back into, like it needs art, it needs teachers, it needs our skills to stay sharp, and it needs us to like continue to build new people. So, so seriously, just keep doing that. Tori, Tori H O O six. Hi, Eliza, Emily, and Daniel. How concerned should people be with the sort shortage in supplies hospitals are facing? And the suggestion by the CDC, the medical personnel started using bandanas when they run out for proper face masks. I have a follow up question to that too. Yeah, that is that is hard. We are definitely feeling that, and I suspect it will get worse before it gets better. We uh, definitely need supplies, and we're learning more about how to use our supplies better. We're reusing things, whereas before we would make them one-time use. Um, how worried should an average person be about that? Probably not all that worried. How worried am I about that? I'm a little more worried. Um, you know, when I'm, when I'm in there seeing the patient who comes in that is incredibly sick, that we have to put a breathing tube into, and we know that's one of the highest risks moves that we have in terms of spreading the virus to all of us as healthcare workers, I, I rely on that gear to keep me safe and keep me alive. And the prospect of running out of it, especially if people are hoarding it, is a pretty terrible one. Um, it, you know, at the beginning of this, we didn't really know too much about this virus, and we're not perfect at it now. But generally speaking, you know, if you have any of those N95 respirator masks, unless you are actively intubating somebody, and if you don't know what that means, you're not doing it, but unless you're actively intubating somebody, give those masks to the hospitals. Like, use whatever else okay, you cause have. Because I, I was going to ask you that. Like, I've seen a bunch of assholes on the internet, you know, like, oh, hanging out with my girlfriend in my N95 mask in our, in our Ferrari. Hey, we're hanging out, we're going out, whatever. Uh, and people like donate that mask. If you've already used it, can you still donate it to the hospital? Not really. If you've already used it, you can't donate it. Or at least it's really challenging to do that. And I, I wouldn't, uh, I'm not sure that would work. So I'd probably say See, no. See, that's what's, what's so scary. The amount of people that are like, donate your masks. I'm like, if I'm a hospital, I'm not trusting somebody mm -hmm. hasn't used this mask. I don't, that's, I don't want your dirty used mask. So that's bad information as well. Don't, you can't, if you have it, you're a dick. Don't order it but you definitely can't give it away once you've used it. Yeah, but if you have a pile of them sitting around that you haven't used, like, we need them. Right, oh, of course. Uh, and that's another question. I mean, I don't understand. We're great at producing plastic. Why are we not just making more of these? I think we are. I think we're, we're ramping up our facilities and we're trying to think about repurposing different supply chains. Um, and my hope is that that will... You know, you know, I think one of the reasons that we're talking so much about flattening the curve, right, social distancing and how unbelievably important it is, is to slow down the rate at which these really sick patients come to the hospital. Because if we can slow down the rate, we can ramp up our supply chains, we can make sure we have enough stuff, we can make sure we're not at danger. And that will click back on. It just wasn't in place yet. Same thing with the actual coronavirus test kit, which 
unfortunately, a key component of it is made in Italy, which is very challenging at the moment. Um, so right. that's part of the reason we're running out of actual test kits. But we will overcome that, right? We're an incredible country with a vast supply ability. We just need to turn our resources towards that, and they're just not ready right now. So the more we can do to flatten that curve and slow this wave down, the better prepared we'll be to actually receive it. <coughs> there you go. As I cough. Mm-mm. Yeah, perfect. Get that cough in there. That Don't cut that out. Perfect punctuation. Um, <laughs> let me see another one. Liz underscore ARD97, since people with mild symptoms are advised to self-isolate, is there a point in going to the hospital and getting tested and risk contracting the virus if we don't have it? I'll answer that. I'm not even a doctor. No. Do it. The answer is no. Correct. Stay home. If you really, I mean, without being a hypochondriac, like if you really don't feel, like if you're just sitting there and you feel a little sick, but you know you're going to be okay and it's not a huge tightness of breath and you can still breathe, stay at home. If it gets worse, worse, fine. But there are people definitely worse than you that need to be there. And yeah, if you don't have it, you probably will get it if you go to the hospital. Stay home. Yeah, totally agree. Stay home. If you have any questions about that, like call your doctor's office and talk to a doctor. There's like definitely banks of people that are willing to talk to you about your symptoms and and basically tell you to go home. Um, don't get tested. Honestly, if you have mild symptoms, and even if I had a million tests and I could test you, I would still say go home. Yeah, for anything. Even when you have a cold, and by the way, I'm a huge advocate for letting things run through you. Even when I get sick, I only take a steroid uh, if I have a show and I've lost my voice or I physically am just so depleted and I have shows. If I don't have a show and I get sick, I let myself be sick. I don't even take NyQuil. Like I just let it run its course because I figure if I'm a healthy person, I'm not going to die. What's a couple more hours of coughing? Um, I just let it go. Because it's, you're not going to get that much more relief. That's just me. That's just me personally. Uh, there's something to be said for letting an illness just kind of wash through you versus pumping yourself full of chemicals. Dr. Daniel? No, I, I, in generally speaking, I totally agree with that. There, there are a couple of yeah. notable exceptions, right? One is if, even if you're healthy, if you live with somebody that has a lot of chronic disease issues, like the calculus eh, might be a little bit different. Um, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But, uh, you know. Right. Okay. Well, obviously we're talking about if you're super healthy and the person's healthy. Uh, yeah. There are a lot of people who speak Spanish in my life and they're teaching my daughter Spanish. And quite frankly, I want to keep up. Yes, I took Spanish in school, but I want my Spanish to get better. I don't want it to just be bueno. I want it to be muy bueno. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program. Choose from one of 25 languages like Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, and Polish. Fast track your language acquisition with immersive lessons designed to teach you to pick up languages in a natural way. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's true accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. So you sound like a local, not an android. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Rosetta Stone is convenient and can be used on desktop or as an app with audio companion and ability to download lessons offline. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Ask Eliza Anything listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash Eliza. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash Eliza today. 
Safe to say everybody loves bread, but everybody doesn't eat bread as often as they would like to because of bread guilt, right? Health concerns, carb fear mongering. I mean, if we could, we would eat toast sandwiches made of toast, nice layer of sandwich bread on the top, toast in the middle, and wash it down with a nice glass of bread. Hero Bread makes those same delicious favorites free of consequences or compromises. You should feel good when you eat bread. Hero Bread has zero to one grams of net carbs, zero grams of sugar, and it's high in fiber, which is what you want. Hero Bread is delicious and flavorful, and it's soft and it's fluffy, so it puts you right back there, you know, years ago, eating your favorite sandwich before we were afraid of wheat. And they have something for everyone. They have sliced bread loaves, they have buns, they have tortillas. Don't give up on being a breadhead. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use code ELIZA at checkout. That's ELIZA at H-E-R-O dot C-O. Hurry and get 10% off your order when you use ELIZA at H-E-R-O dot C-O. Anyways, there's that. Uh, PJ McDonald, PJE McDonald. What do you think is a more accurate estimate for how many people have COVID-19? Uh, well, what is it? PJ E. He's McDonald? not a statistician. Um, PJ no, McDonald. so there's, <laughs> there's this thing, uh, Johns Hopkins runs this thing, um, which seems to have the most up-to-date numbers of anybody, uh, in the world. And you can just, if you just Google Johns Hopkins Corona map, uh, it'll give you the most up-to-date thing. So as of this morning, it's like 287,000 people in the world have it, give or take. Oy. And there it is, folks. But, you know, that's a drop in the bucket compared to how many people we have. So it's not, again, it's not outbreak. Like, it's not like walking dead out there. Uh, And the amount of people who are dying, when you actually see the numbers, it's not as huge as the media fear-mongering would suggest, but this is still very serious and highly contagious and definitely something that we're all taking seriously, right? Oh, absolutely. It is really serious. And it's not just the people that are dying, right? There's like the the numbers seem to suggest that about one in six people might get pretty sick from this and might need some medical support. doesn't mean they're going to die, but they might need actual sort of care by a doctor and a team. And I think that's, again, why we're trying to slow this down is to make sure that those people that need it can get the care that they need. Um, but you're totally right. This is not the zombie epidemic. Right. And right. and like total sidebar, I treated some patients the other day that multiple people had come in after getting bit by a person. And I guess it was a person running around LA biting people. Uh Jesus. and I I know, right? And I totally had a moment where I was like, Man, I wonder if this is the start of the zombie epidemic. Like, am I am I seeing it? Right. Cause that's how it would start, right? People would show oh. up to the ER being like, We've been yeah, bit by no. somebody. No, that's super cool that a Harvard trained doctor had that thought. And uh that's that's totally normal. Thanks, Daniel. Yeah. No, absolutely. But it turns out it wasn't, though, so it's fine. Like, there's no zombie epidemic. Because this was a while ago. We would have heard about it by now. So don't worry. No zombies. (laughs) What if now in the podcast is when I realize you're a total psychopath and, like, none of this (laughs) is valid advice? After, like, what? Like, 30? How long have we been friends? 30-plus years? 30-something years? Something like that, yeah. I just realized, oh, my God, he's a total crazy person. She underscore who underscore sings. I would like to know your thought on how to combat burnout and compassion fatigue for ER nurses and doctors. I'm an ER nurse and I see many more experienced nurses that have burnout and sometimes feel it in myself as a new nurse. Also, how should ER nurses care for our own mental health? Ooh, great question for Daniel. Mm, Yeah, very, very, very good question. So um, 
Part of the answer I think we talked about already, which is to find a purpose that you really believe in and to line up your actions with that purpose. And I think that's part of the antidote to burnout um, is, is believing that you're doing things that matter and that you're, that you're whether it is creating art or being a doctor or a lawyer or a, like a baker or anything, like, like do it in a way that you think matters and makes a difference. Um, the other piece of it uh, is... I think spending some energy trying to make the system around you better. So if you find yourself in a situation like a lot of us do in in medicine, where there's a really frustrating system that you work within, like rather than just beat your head against that wall over and over again, spend some time trying to like take the wall down, trying to move around it, trying to build a better system that supports you. Um, That's not always easy, but, but I think that that's what, what generates, uh, you know, I guess what's the opposite of burnout, like thriving, like thriving in your position and doing, doing the best that you can. I don't know, Eliza, I'd actually, I actually want to hear your answer to that question. Like, like in a, in a job that is really challenging and demands constant sort of movement and change like yours, like how, how do you avoid burnout? How would you advise like a, a, a young comedian to avoid burnout? I move forward uh, comforted by the inherent notion that what I'm doing is more important than what other people are doing and my voice is valuable and that uh, I'm better than everyone else. And that really has carried me through some tough times. I'll be a thousand percent on it. I mean, look, again, you are put in your job and on this earth for a purpose and not allowing anyone else to take that away from you, not allowing anyone else's darkness to take away your light and not allowing anyone else's shitty negative agenda or even when they're unaware of what they're projecting, not allowing them to dim your light and to take away from your purpose. So staying focused, blinders on. I mean, not to make this about comedy, but like I've never, for better or for worse, you know, like I have my blinders on, I write my hours, I do my things, I go home after my sets because uh, I'm not here to fuck around. I'm here to get bigger and better and become a bigger and better artist. I'm not here to placate someone or jerk off your ego or pretend that we're all sitting around supporting each other. I support my friends. I support comics that I like. And I don't succumb to the peer pressure of having to appease everyone at all times. I'm here to do my job and entertain my fans. And you are there to do your job and be a better nurse and understand medicine more and stay focused. And it's hard because there's always going to be lesser people around you. This became very emotionally charged for me, but that's it. Like you did not come this far to just fall apart. You're better than that. You're stronger than that. And you have a purpose and uh, your purpose might be ever shifting by the way. And Mm -hmm. your interest might be ever shifting and your self-esteem and you're allowed to evolve and fall down and feel better and grow and stop growing and move forward all at your own pace, and it's nobody's fucking business. So just know that uh, you've got something to do and you've got something to say. Now you got to get to it. Dude, I, I love that because I think the, the opposite of that, of trying to do the same thing over and over again and just sort of like putting up and, and dealing with like mediocrity, like that's where burnout comes from. Yeah, from not moving forward. Mediocrity, I think, can be self-imposed. I think even within the confines of a shitty situation, you can find ways to move and pivot, and that's where champions are made. I mean, honestly, I, I don't mean to sound like a meathead, but like, look at if you're lifting weights, you know, there's repetition in that. But within that, you can add weight. You can do high weight, low rep, low weight, high rep. Did I just say the same thing? I may have. But even within <laughs> yoga, this is so like ditzy, but even within yoga, you might be like, I can really do this flow easily, but you can always sink a little deeper. You can always breathe a little better, get in touch and notice different parts. There's always 
there's always moves to be made laterally that can help you move forward. Uh, mm-hmm. So just when you think you've mastered something, just know you're missing another side of it. And I say that as someone who is really bad at yoga but does it anyway. No, that's awesome. That that idea of holding on to the beginner's sort of mindset of realizing that you're a student of yourself and of your craft, like that is that is important right now in what we're going through and also just in general. Like that's, I mean, that's what I try to do. I mean, I could answer that even just to get more specific about stand-up for a second. You know, when you first start doing it, there are those years where you're like, oh my God, like I'm a genius. This is so good. I'm so good. And then when you, if you're fortunate enough to get old enough to realize you don't know anything, that's where the real growth comes when you're like, oh my God, I'm a piece of shit. Even even though you still have Mm -hmm. a huge ego about it. Just being fortunate enough to do something long enough to realize all that you didn't know. Because when you first start out, you're imbued with this sense of all-knowing. And you're like, of course I get everything. Because that's what gets you going in the first place, is thinking Mm -hmm. you're better than everyone. So it's a luxury and it's a gift to come to a place where you're like, wow, I've put in the time and now I can really start to do some digging. And that's where the real art and growth comes from. I know this is different for an ER nurse because medical facts are medical facts, but... I can tell you as an artist, you never well, stop growing. I mean, medical facts are medical facts, but there's a difference between understanding the dose of a drug and understanding like what the patient in front of you needs and how to develop a system of care that really takes care of them and how to deploy that knowledge under the pressure of the situation. So I think the analogy yeah. is actually spot on. Like, yeah, you learn Thank the facts, you. but you have to continue to grow in, in your ability to care for humans. And I, I think, I hope you never stop. I hope I never stop growing like that. I think... I think the the people that I've seen as my own mentors are the ones that definitely believe that, that, that believe, hey, we're yeah. here to continue to get better and build a better system. Yeah. Do you want to be a nurse or do you want to be a healer? Do I want to be a setup punch comic or do I want to be someone that changes the way people feel mm. in general? And I choose the latter. I want to be a leader. I want to affect positive change and I want to be a source of happiness, not just someone that told a dick joke and fell asleep. I want more. <laughs> Right on. And if you do tell dick jokes, there's a place for you too, but that ain't me. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Caitlin, 90, do you see an increase in ER activity during new moons or is that just a TV myth? <laughs> I love that question. Uh, yeah, I bet you do. I bet you also don't measure your um, time by new moons. But yeah, yeah I, can't, I can't recall. I mean, I think that there's definitely like, like if there's a really like just crazy ass day with lots of stuff going down and it happens to be a full moon, you know, or Friday the 13th, everybody's like, oh yeah, it definitely, this obviously makes sense. Of course, if there's like a totally crazy ass day and a lot of shit going down and it's a Tuesday, we'll all be like, oh yeah, Tuesday. That totally makes sense. Like, right. I, I don't know. Um, I, I think Mondays are particularly chaotic uh, as are Fridays. And then most days. (laughs) You know what's a really fun social experiment? Because, yeah, it's always just the uh, up to whoever's perceiving it. Go up to someone on a Friday and been like, did this week go by really slow? And 50% of the time people will be like, totally, I felt that. And then go up to someone and be like, didn't this week go by so fast? And they'll be like, totally. It really just depends on who's asking it. Do they want to impress you? Do they have any power over you? Uh, That being said, 
I do believe the new moon makes everything a little weird and I'm not um, really into astrology and all that stuff. But my brother the other day was like, Mercury's in retrograde, which it seems like it always is. But the amount of things that went wrong technologically for me a couple weeks ago, like he didn't get my text and then the phone died. And he was like, I'm telling you, Mercury's in retrograde. I think there is something to it. I just don't think it rules over us the way that uh, a lot of girls on Instagram would suggest. <laughs> That's just me saying this to you as a man of science. Okay. <laughs> uh, Natal Meech. What do some people, why do some people get their COVID test results quickly and others take weeks? Um, as we are, uh, sort of as the availability of the actual test kit changes, the, the load on the labs that run the test change. So something that some weeks take three days, like in LA, the average time is like seven days right now. Um, we're building more lab capacity. Same, same answer as sort of the masks, like we're building more capacity, but it's just not there yet. There's your answer. Yeah. Macon, babe, thank you for everything you do, as always, especially now. Doctor, my question... Oh, that was for me, and then to you. Doctor, nope, my... <laughs> hmm. Nope, right that's on. to you, doctor. No, that's to you. The thank you is to you, doctor. I just want to make sure everyone got the proper thank yous. My question is for those who are not in healthcare but still working essential jobs and interacting with the public... What can be done to protect them and make them feel protected? I'm in banking and a contract center and simple hand washing doesn't seem like enough. Uh, yeah, that's a good question. And and first off, you know, I turn that thank you around. Thank you for doing what you're doing. Like the, the people that aren't necessarily trained for medical work, but are still doing their jobs and doing them well in the midst of this, like you guys are, you guys are fucking awesome. Like, thank you for doing that. Um, I think the best is, you know, social isolation and six feet away. If you can't do that to accomplish your job, which you can't always, I would definitely wear gloves um, and a uh, like a paper surgical mask if you can. You definitely don't need the, the fancy kind. Um, but yeah. So there's the answer. Yeah. Just something to create barriers between you and breath. Mm -hmm. Also, if you have a beard, wearing a mask does not work. Right, doctor? Uh, wearing the N95 masks doesn't work. Um, the paper masks still work with a beard. Okay. Well, there's that. Um, Haley and Maxie Sumuma. I need to take my daughter into a major hospital next Friday for an MRI post-cancer screening, so too important to postpone. What can I do to keep her as safe as possible when a hospital is the last place I want to take her? Mm. That's, uh, that's challenging and you know, if you are going through a complicated health issue right now in the, in the middle of us, like my heart goes out to you. This is not an easy time. Um, I'm not sure, you know, to be honest, uh, it, that there are that many things that are really too important to postpone right now. Um, and so my, my actual answer to that would be uh, to talk to your personal doctor about whether or not it is the right thing to do to postpone it, to make sure that your your kid or whomever doesn't come into contact with more people that might be sick. Um, also, like, you know, the MRI machine might not be up and running depending on what else is going on in the hospital. Uh, it, also, you said post-cancer. So is this just to check it's all gone? I mean, I'm just saying if it's post, maybe you have a minute. Yeah, I mean, it totally depends on what the on, on what that means in that context, and you know that's something that only that that family and their doctor really understand. But the um, right, 
you know, if, if you do, if there is something that absolutely has to happen and there's really no way to avoid it, like same, same as for, um, our, you know, our previous guest caller, the banker who, um, I'd recommend gloves and a mask. Yeah. Um, I know the answer to this, but I'm going to let you answer it. Mikkel Wandowski one, is it possible for dogs to get COVID-19? I hope not. Cause I have kissed my dog in the mouth many times. Dude, yeah, Tianfu is is pretty awesome. Even though she is still, as of last time we hung out, scared of me. But I'm I'm hoping I can hoping I can win her over. Um, <laughs> me too. Uh, you know, as far as I know, there's only been one dog in the entire world that ever tested positive for COVID, and it's some dog in Hong Kong. Um, but in generally speaking, no pets uh, cannot get COVID, and they can't transmit it. Uh, could it be on their fur? So, um, possibly, uh, in, in general, the virus can sort of live on different types of services, uh, surfaces for unclear periods of time. I, I'm not sure anybody's really like tested the fur of a dog. Um, I, I guess if you are really immunocompromised and really sick and there's somebody who's coughing and sneezing and then rubs your dog, you probably shouldn't lick your dog. But like, that's like sort of standard practice anyway, right? Like if, if somebody sneezes and then touches your dog, you don't then lick the dog. Uh, I mean, speak for yourself. Yeah? I mean, I, I'm just kidding. Any, any excuse to be near her. Um, <laughs> no, don't. Yeah, you'll be okay. Because uh, yeah. we were t- I was talking about that with Noah. You know, we were talking about the whole reason people are doing takeout food instead of dining in is because you're trying to eliminate, I'm sure Dr. Daniel can agree with this, points of contact. You know, it's yeah, one thing exactly. if someone hands you a box. Right. And then we were like, oh no, or, you know, what if you get sick from that? And a study was done recently. Like basically the worker would have to cough into your food uh, like a billion times and you'd have to like lick it directly. And even then you probably wouldn't get sick. So eating takeout is still relatively safe. The disease exists on surfaces, but you'd have mm-hmm. to really be like opening up your bot, your esophagus and just draping it over a pizza box hmm. to really catch that. Would um, that be like if you're like some sort of a giant worm eating a pizza, like that would, you know, like swallowing the whole thing whole like that? Oh my God, you guys, don't be a worm. Like if you can avoid becoming a worm during this trying time, try to not be a worm. That is like uh, great advice. Thank you so much. Josh Distraction, how do you feel about celebrity, quote unquote, doctors who have been quoted off camera saying that this current situation isn't as bad as people are saying as long as everyone just keeps a clear head and follows CDC guidelines, et cetera. But once on camera, almost incite mass, oh, but once are on camera, almost incite mass panic. Eliza caught your video, Smokey Husky, adored it. You understand that question, Daniel? Should I, uh, I rephrase that? Yeah, no, no. I, I mean, uh, nobody should incite mass panic. I don't care if you're a celebrity doctor or not. Like everything gets worse if people panic, just period. Um, so I, I can't imagine, like I would really uh, want to have some pretty harsh words with anybody that was doing that. Um, I, I, I Can I just say, I don't think, for I mean, this, this, this question feels a little charged, Josh, I'm going to say. Yeah, I agree. I don't think... Yeah, I don't think they're inciting panic. I do think a doctor saying, hey, take this seriously. And the way you read into that might be, you might be inferring that it's one Mm. way or the other, but I don't think any doctor's getting on there and being like, oh my God, we're all going to die. Right, right. That would serve no purpose. And and I do think that like, uh, 
you know, any, any person who is seeing patients who has this, like there is no doubt in any of our mind how serious this is. Um, this is a real thing. And uh, we need to treat it with enough respect to make sure that we all live through it or as much of us as we can. And I also think, you know, you can have both of those. You can, you can be both. You can say it, I don't think they're saying it isn't as bad. I think you can say it's not as bad as you might imagine. Um, it's not as horrific, but we do need to take it seriously. So you can yeah, do totally. both. You can Absolutely. Say, say this is terrible while still telling people to keep calm and carry on. Yeah, okay. 100%. And that's exactly the right line, which is say this is serious and we need to like keep our heads about us and get through it. Like totally agree. Carolyn Wright 17 says, what's the biggest misconception you've been hearing about COVID-19? Uh, I think it's what, actually, Eliza, I think it's just some version of what you and I just said that last second ago, which is like, it's either not serious or it needs to be a full-blown panic and like, you know, we should immediately start barricading ourselves in our homes. Like, neither of those things are the answer. It it really is somewhere more in the middle. And that's not always the easiest thing for us to wrap our heads around. Um, But, But you know. It's not always the easiest, but it usually is the answer. The answer usually Mm -hmm. is somewhere in the middle of whatever you thought. It's somewhere between the two extremes. Seldom is it the extreme. Um, Arlene with, actually, this is a good question. Arlene underscore with a underscore why. She definitely doesn't want to be found. Is it a bad idea to use my community pool during this time? Can we catch coronavirus simply from the water, even if there aren't that many others at the pool, but perhaps use it recently? She really wants to go to the pool. Yeah, uh, probably that's fine. I I didn't see any specific data on pools, you know. If there's a lot of people standing around the pool coughing on you, that's probably a bad idea. But otherwise, yeah, it's probably fine. Probably fine. I feel like chlorine. Maybe I don't drink the chlorine. Yeah. Maybe drink the chlorine. I don't know. I mean, the uh, playgrounds are playgrounds are closed in California right now, which I think makes sense because there's a lot of a lot of people touching the same surfaces over and over again without cleaning. So that's probably higher risk. But a pool, you know, I haven't heard anything about that. I don't know. Go swimming. It's probably okay, but be careful. Yeah, be careful. Mama's... Ma- this is actually a good question to end on. MamaSues.nc. Dr. Dworkis, can you speak on how COVID-19 began, where and how the pandemics like this spread so vastly around the globe? I know we have people who are using discriminatory labeling in our country about the virus. Oh, like uh, the Chinese thing. Would love mm-hmm. to clear that up. Thank you so much for working on the front lines during this time. Love you, Eliza, baby arm, tofu, smoky husky, and Scott. P.S. Where is he? Scott is quarantining. He's he's at home self-distancing. Right on. Good job, on, Scott. Baby. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think I've met Scott, have I? Uh, no, he's our producer, and you wouldn't meet him unless we were in the studio. But oh, he gotcha. will be editing this episode. <laughs> hey, Scott, how's it going? Um, yeah, so, uh, all right. Um, the coronavirus, and actually there's many coronaviruses, right? So a coronavirus is a type of virus. Um, and most of the time, the coronavirus is what you think of when you get a common cold. So every time you get a common cold, or almost every time you get a common cold, it's usually a coronavirus um, there's some other, there's some subsets of coronavirus that are particularly dangerous, like the SARS epidemic from a few years ago, or, uh, the MERS epidemic from a little bit after that. Um, this one seems to have been transmitted from animals to humans, maybe, maybe a bat. We're not really sure, uh, in, um, or at least first like got a lot of attention in, in, in China, uh, and then has spread to other humans through that process. Um, you know, it, anytime you think about a virus, there's all these different epidemiological stuff, which I'm totally not going to go into. But if anybody has questions, we can figure that out. Um, but basically, it's really contagious. It's really, really contagious. 
And it takes a while to show symptoms. So people walk around for a long time infecting other people when they don't know they have it. Um, and that combines for a really high rate of spread, which is which is what we're seeing from all of this. Um, but it has, uh, as, as this person appropriately said, it has nothing to do with um, with anything about Chinese people any more than it does have to do with, you know, Americans or Italians or Germans or anybody else. Uh, this is just like, you know, in fact, like we are all together in humanity trying to figure this out as like one species. Um, and it is, Eliza, as you said, the really beginning, like it's a really, it's sort of um, inspiring and sad at the same time, right? Like it's sad that this is what it takes, but it's inspiring to see like all of humanity try to unite against this thing uh, and try to figure out the best way that we can, that we can get through it. Um, absolutely. I heard that it started with a, a pangolin, which is this like Southeast Asian, almost looks like an armadillo. And yeah, and I, I don't know if somebody ate one or they had sex with it or what, but it's already an endangered animal. And like Southeast Asianers are like obsessed with fucking with this animal. And maybe now, maybe now people will leave the pangolin alone. Uh, I, I had heard bat. I have seen pictures of pangolins. They look totally fascinating and strange, but I, I have no idea. I think the greater lesson to take from all this is uh, Mother Nature doesn't like it when you do weird things to animals that you shouldn't be messing with. Um, and I think you can even see this with our mass consumption. Like, I think it's okay to eat meat, but when meat gets sick and we keep eating it or when we don't treat animals with respect, I understand eating them is not the most fun. I think this disease is symbolic, personally, for an imbalance in nature. Hmm. And I think if you look at the way our you know uh, carbon emissions are down and we've all seen the pictures of the water in venice you know our earth mm -hmm. is saying like hey you guys got to treat me with more respect otherwise i'm going to spit back at you i think that's like a very holistic way to look at this um because i don't think we can sustain how we're going on as a planet or as humankind just raping the earth of everything that it's worth and mother nature made us sort of take a knee and i hope mm -hmm. we come out of this a little bit smarter we won't, but that's my hope. Yeah, I, I hope we do too, because I don't think this is the last something like this that we're going to face, right? We're, we're such an interconnected species at this point that it's impossible for something so serious to affect one part of us without all of us feeling it. And we're going to see a lot of that from the economic sort of ripples of this over the next period of time. Um, yeah. Which if I get, if I get like one theme of, of my conversation today is that, which is like, we need to get better. We need to get stronger because the world is going to need us to be better. Should we end on a positive note? Do you have a positive note we can say? Uh, I think I brought it to that place. Let's end no, on a positive note, then we'll do top of the cob. Sounds great. Um, do you have another positive question or you want me just to like make something up? I wanted... Nope, I wanted you to say something positive because you're the doctor. Oh yeah, totally. So I, I think I think to end this on a positive note, what I would say is that like we will get through this. We absolutely will get through this. And that idea that we talked about earlier about don't waste the suffering is my is my challenge to you guys. That if you're listening to this, is to take this time and reflect on what you can do to be a better version of yourself and a better person in your community uh, and a better person in the world. Um, and that stuff that you've been sort of vaguely kicking around the idea of, hey, if I had some more space, I would probably do this. Like, now's the time. Like, get to it. Get to it and be a better version of yourself. And I um, I look forward to seeing you guys on the other side of this. And before we go, um, as promised, we got butt stuff. So Dr. Daniel, <laughs> take it away. Yeah, so, I, you know, I think that as an ER doctor, even in the time of corona, the question that I like most often get is some version of this question about like, like what is the weirdest thing that somebody has put inside of themselves? And like, you know, I, 
I understand the human fascination with that. I think there's a fine line to be walked between like, this is like a funny, entertaining thing. And we are like, you know, gaining pleasure out of somebody else's suffering. Um, so I, I think I'll, ask, I'll, I'll say this as like maybe a public service announcement, which is that if you find yourself in the totally unfortunate position of having like put something inside your butt and now you can't get it out and you have to come to the ER, and that would be a pretty reasonable reason to come to the ER, by the way. Um, like, please just, please just maybe say, hey, uh, I did this and this is what happened, as opposed to saying I, I slipped and fell on it. Um, yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, probably in the history of mankind, there of humankind, there is like some people that are unlucky enough for that to happen. But like, did you really, did you like that family size bottle of like cucumber hand lotion? Like, did you slip on fall on that? Like, did you really? That's weirdly specific, Dr. Uh, Daniel. Yeah, that's a, that's a thing. That's a thing that happened. Um, but like, you know, maybe just say something like, hey, uh, you know, some mistakes were made. Like, this is a thing that happened, and I kind of regret having done this. Like, well, yeah, that what would a be great uh, moral for life. Some mistakes were made, something went up my butt, and I wouldn't do it again. Yeah, totally. That would be like really refreshing. And I think uh, people would really appreciate that if they were taking care of you. But also, um, maybe don't, maybe don't do that. Okay. Well, so that being said, now that we've got all that out of the way, what's, <laughs> what's the craziest thing that you've seen up someone's butt? Oh, that was a, that was a real story. The, uh, family size oh. bottle of a, <laughs> yeah. You see how he slipped it right in there, folks? Mm. All right. Irony. Thank you so much, Dr. Daniel. And that brings us to Top of the Cob. Hit it. It's the Top of the Cob. We're doing it right every day. You just take a bite. Top of the Cob. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to start by saying uh, my Top of the Cob is seeing how people have come together during this time. Uh, I said this at the beginning. It's unfortunate that it takes something devastating, whether it is you know, a hurricane or an earthquake or a flood to see the good in people's hearts. But I think, um, and I'm not even talking about celebrities like me who are like, I need attention, look at my video. I'm talking about people that are out there at food banks and that are out there delivering meals and helping those who cannot help themselves. Um, and just seeing how people are there to uplift people uh, and the celebrities that are doing stuff. Everybody's doing the most that they can. I'm not qualified to do mm -hmm. much else other than entertain uh, and donate money. So um, that's nice to see that humans, as horrible as we've made the earth and the internet is a terrible, disgusting place, it's nice to see that there is some good that comes out of people when we need, uh, on times other than Christmas. <laughs> so I, I'm enjoying that. Right on. And what's your top of the cup? Yeah, what's your can top I, of the cup? Can I do my bottom of the cup first? Yeah, Daniel wants to do his bottom of the cup first and Daniel gets what Daniel wants. Go uh, on. That's not true. But um, so, my, <laughs> I mean, my bottom of the cup is is pretty obvious and right out there, which is the, the, the patients and the families that are suffering during all of this. And um, especially the people whose loved ones are sick and they can't go visit them in the hospital because it's not safe to, or the people that are at oh. home worried about this. Like that is really, really hard. And, you know, yesterday having some really sick patients in the ER and denying family members the chance to see them, like that stuff is hard. People are suffering and, and that's a real challenging thing. And I, you know, I, my heart is out to you guys if you happen to be in that, in that kind of a situation. Oh, yeah, that is brutal. Mm. Um, okay, well, that really trumps my bottom of the cob. Uh, <laughs> Not a contest. My bottom, well, my bo 
my, well, my bottom of the cob is uh, how magnified annoyance has become. Whether it's the person you follow online, you're like, oh, I never noticed that they say um too much. Or my husband asked me a question two times in a row and I almost bit his head off. So even though we're the couple that doesn't fight or even just people, you know what else bothers me? Just people like checking in like, hey, how are you feeling? They mean so well, but after you've explained how sick you are to like 15 people, like you're just over Mm -hmm. it. So the the fact is nobody's doing anything different, but it's just starting to creep in a little bit. And I am bothered that I'm so mentally weak that I snap at times. I'm bothered that I'm human, Daniel. That bothers me. (laughs) Yeah. uh, It's uh, sometimes really challenging to be a human, right? Like like there's some not so easy parts of that. What's the alternative? Uh, pangolin maybe I'm not I'm not sure oh it'd be even worse and so what's your top of the cob taking us out on a high note Dr. Daniel Borkus what is your top of the cob absolutely well Eliza thank you for bringing me on to talk about this it's it's been pretty awesome um my top of the cob is the absolute uh absolute bravery that I'm seeing from people at the hospital and I'm not talking about the doctors and the nurses because we're we're trained for this like we're doing our job and we're fighting hard but but we're trained for this but f- for me it's the bravery of the people who are like the environmental service workers like the people that come in and clean the rooms after the really sick patients leave that are exposing themselves to what's going on and trusting us to take care of them and to keep them safe and the the bravery of the people in the supply chain and everybody that keeps this giant machinery running to try to protect everybody out there like that is phenomenal phenomenal bravery and it it is like seriously inspiring to see that um i love that yeah well, Dr. Daniel, I hope you've assuaged some people's fears. I hope you've answered some answered some questions here. I hope my congested nose didn't make me botch too many <laughs> words. You guys, this has been my f- good friend, uh, Dr. Daniel Dworkis. Uh, hopefully you don't have to go see him in the mm. emergency room uh, at L.A. County. Uh, but you can listen to him. And girls, you can look him up on Instagram. Uh, ladies, ladies out there. He's <laughs> at D, as in Daniel, D dot Dworkis. Uh, and he has a podcast called the Emergency Mind Podcast, uh, where he talks about uh, states of readiness in an emergency. Uh, this is a subject that is endlessly fascinating to him, near and dear to him. And you can get that on uh, iTunes, right? Apple Podcasts, stuff like that. Not iTunes, sorry. Apple yeah. Podcasts. Damn it. I was going to do it perfectly. Um <laughs> So he's got the Emergency Mind podcast. So if you want to hear from a real expert talking to other real experts about this subject, he's got it. He's a great guy. He's a good-looking guy. And he's Jewish, ladies. (laughs) Right on. Thanks, Eliza. Thanks for coming on, Daniel. Bye. Absolutely. Take care. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. 
Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.